0: The reading today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and can be found on page 965 in the Pew Bibles. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. Are you all sitting comfortably? Because there's plenty of chocolate and stuff if you're not. Um, I want to try to sort of kind of erase our imagination this morning, because when you really... Think about Jesus' birth it's absolutely amazing, it's mind-blowing it's staggering Jesus existed before time began and he took part in creating the universe and according to scientists that would be 13.8 billion years ago. He, as it were, launched the universe and all the stuff that scientists look for today, astrophysics, m- molecular biology, genetics, all of that stuff was kind of there already in that Big bang explosion that Jesus launched. And it was to take until the 20th century that Einstein discovered some of the fantastic rules that were behind God's creation, that held everything in place and explained why things are as they are. I mean, that's an enormous. And Kendrick in one of his songs just sums it up with hands that flung stars into space. We've got a big picture there of a star, but I mean, I know that's about the wise men, etc., but never mind. So just sort of think of how mind-blowing that sort of stuff is. And yet... This creator of the universe becomes a tiny, tiny embryo in a young woman, probably a woman, probably a teenager, in an inconspicuous village called Nazareth. How does he get from there to there? How does he step out of heaven's domain into our time and space domain? It's mind-blowing, it's staggering. But what we do know, that with Jesus' birth, heaven and earth became intertwined as never before. Now, I want to kind of help you to get out of your comfort zone now, because um, you're probably going to be... Well, I probably won't be half an hour, but if I was... (laughs) (laughs) you wouldn't have basically moved in that half hour, would you? You'd be in the same place when you started. Is that right? All agree? Well, do you know, in fact, you're wrong because the Earth is spinning round its axis and you're travelling at about 650 miles an hour just because the Earth is spinning. So in fact, you'll be at least 650 miles away from when I started <laughs> but that's not all because the earth is going round the Sun and well you're traveling at um, 67,000 miles an hour around the Sun so you'll now be well in an hour's time you'll be 67,000 miles plus 650 miles from where you were when I started But that's not all either because the universe is expanding and so you're travelling further out into the realms of space at 432,000 miles an hour. So in half an hour you will be 500,000 miles from where you were. So at the end of the sermon, through space, you'll have travelled 500,000 miles. But you won't feel that, you won't experience that. The pillar will still be there, hopefully. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you're not seeing things whizzing by the windows or anything like that. But it's all happening and it's something like that with heaven. There's all sorts of things going on and yet we can be totally unaware and it's, although it affects our lives, we're unaware of the effect that it has. And it's mind-blowing. And it's amazing. And we've got to try and get under the skin of what what a God we have. What an amazing God we have. But this is where it all comes down to earth with a bump, almost literally, that despite Jesus, in God's domain, doing this fantastic creation stuff, and we just learnt a little bit of the scale of that creation, just with ourselves when he came to earth it caused a scandal Joseph was faced with a a very difficult human situation in our 21st century we might have difficulty uh, with today's standards grasping how bad that was but Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph as you know and they'd not had intercourse with each other and there was Mary found to be pregnant. So Joseph knew with certainty that it wasn't his child. He wasn't the father of the, Ma- of the child that Mary was carrying. And at that time, that was a huge, huge scandal. Particularly for Mary. Mary. So Joseph could have got on his high horse and uh, really made Mary suffer because of it. However, he wasn't that sort of guy and he didn't want Mary to be publicly disgraced. So he decided that the best way forward was for him to quietly break off the engagement with as little public announcement as possible. And what Joseph aimed to do was a very good and a very just human thing to do. But despite his best intentions, Joseph was totally unaware of the great miracle that God was doing. He had no idea whatsoever. He was just kind of looking at the scene from a purely human point of view, as would be natural. So God got Joseph's attention in a dream. And in this dream an angel appeared to him and told him basically to take Mary to be his wife. And again, heaven and earth are becoming intertwined. Now at that point Joseph may have been quite happy because Perhaps deep down he didn't really want to break his engagement with Mary and perhaps he was prepared to somehow muddle through and perhaps pretend that the child, after all, was his or perhaps had been a little bit naughty, but, well, you know, so be it. And perhaps you have had dreams of angels too. So that doesn't seem too spectacular. But then what the angel says to Joseph is so unexpected. And I just don't know how Joseph coped with it. He said that Mary's baby has been conceived through the Holy Spirit. That it would be a male. And that Joseph was to give him the name Jesus because he would save his people their sins. Jesus means roughly the Lord saves. How would you handle something like that? Just try to imagine it in our world that, you know, if, if well, you can't. And yet somehow Joseph was so convinced by that intertwining of heaven and earth, that word from the angel that he was 100% convinced that what he was told was absolutely true. Now Matthew wrote his gospel particularly uh, for Jewish people. And he sort of makes great points throughout his gospel of quoting bits of the Old Testament. And in the bit that we read today, he quoted a passage from Isaiah where the virgin will be with child. But in that passage, Jesus isn't given the name Jesus, he's, he's to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So linking the two names, Emmanuel and Jesus, we have something like God with us to save us from our sins. So, and I mean, it's staggering. The creator God has come down to go through the whole human process of being born and growing up in order to bring us back to this creator God. And just in this little passage, which I mean, you know, when we think of Jesus and his birth and how significant it is this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. It's so bland, isn't it? But even in that account we get glimpses of how God acts. We've seen that he can foretell things, sometimes centuries before they happen. The virgin conception shows that he does the miraculous, beyond the normal, beyond the laws of nature. And it also shows that he can speak to us through angels he can get our attention in all sorts of unexpected ways it also shows that God is a God of surprises and that we need to be careful not to limit him by our lack of understanding or appreciation limit what is possible for him to do God with us God is present with us now through his spirit and he still wants to rescue people from their sins and their idolatry in the Old Testament idolatry was kind of carving statutes like a, a bird or something and then you know praying to the bird and so on today it's more like whatever what do people idolise Wealth, status, money. There's all sorts of things. If you look at our surrounding culture, you can see what the driving forces are. There's the idols that are being held up now. And we can see, sadly, that perhaps there's ideology creeping into the Church of England and instead of worshipping the true God they're bending over backwards to perhaps bow to some of the idols that the general society worships. Lots of people come to church over Christmas and as you all know the account of the Nativity, that the birth of Christ is a nice story Um, You know, shepherds and angels and uh, wise men, but they shouldn't really be there at the birth, but um, never mind. Um, But, you know, and people go away with that image. But just like you, sitting in the chair, being sort of 500,000 miles away in half an hour's time from where you started, they're unaware of the true significance of what is really going on behind the scenes. And the true significance of Jesus' birth, really, and this integration of heaven and earth, came 33 years later when Jesus died on the cross. As Graham Kendrick put it, the hands that flung stars into space, to cruel nails, surrendered. Two sort of poetic lines that summarize it up. And it was on the cross that the grip of sin was broken. And it was on the cross that Jesus' name, which means the Lord saves, actually came into its full meaning. Heaven and earth intertwined. Heaven, God's domain. Earth, our domain. Becoming intertwined may be mysterious as we've seen, it may be scandalous as well. But it wasn't something that just happened 2,000 years ago, it's something that's happened all the way down through history and continues today. And perhaps for too long, the Christian mindset has separated heaven and earth so that they're seen almost now, that the role of the Christian is to escape from earth to get to heaven, whereas the Bible talks about heaven coming down to earth. It's the prayer that we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if God's told us to pray that prayer, then I guess he wants to answer it if we really mean it. Paul defined Christians as those people in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, in whom the Holy Spirit lives. And people in whom the Holy Spirit lives are where heaven are where heaven and Earth intersect, where they come together. So in a sense, if you walk into the pub, you're taking an intersection of heaven and Earth into that situation. If you go into the supermarket, walk down the street, wherever somebody with the Holy Spirit in them goes, at that point in our space-time, heaven and earth are intersecting. And just as we forget the enormity of the universe and how it's affecting us as we spin through it, we mustn't forget that God is present with us. The one that created everything we see the one that's capable of doing things way, way, way beyond our imagination. But sadly, just as we think of heaven and earth being separate, we also domesticate the Holy Spirit. And you could go to a lot of churches and the role of the Holy Spirit is basically to help you pray. Not for healing, but just help you pray. It's a powerful force, a powerful presence. I suppose, in a rough analogy, we've seen it with Parliament and and Brexit. That, you know, although the country said let's leave, Parliament didn't, so it suppressed the will of the people. Now there's a majority, the will of the people can come out and, and come into practice. I'm sorry if I've upset you on your politics, but, but we're often like that with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's will is for us to do certain things, but we so domesticate him and find excuses to do so that we make him powerless, more or less, or powerless in our own lives, anyway. So remember that If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, lives within you, and therefore in you, heaven and earth intersect. So pray that the God who is with you and in you will continue to work in your life so that you may co-labor with our great, almighty Creator God and with him, draw other people to Christ, and through Christ to God our Father. God is present and active in unexpected ways, and his actions, just as they were at Christ's birth, 2,000 odd years ago, are still, his actions are still aimed at rescuing people, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, God saves. God with us to save. Amen. Now we're small in number, um, so we just, I think, it would be nice if you could turn to somebody near you and just sort of pray for them to, uh, well, I don't know, what, but... but it's to open your mind to the wonders of what God is doing, the enormity of it all, and that somehow that we won't sort of keep our little heads in the rut and, and not see the big picture and perhaps be afraid to step out and push the Holy Spirit down within us, so. To, you know, just look somebody in the eye, and God will give you something to say to. Just only a sentence, that's all it needs to be i just close with a prayer. Father, I do thank you for everybody who is part of this church, part of your greater body in this place. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to blow our minds away and our hearts away with who you are and what you can do. Lord, fill us all up with overflowing, with your love, your agape love, with your spirit, open our minds that we can see you in things and places that we would never expect to find you, that we can be more conscious of your presence with us at all times. And, you know, when we have relationships with other people through conversations or whatever, may we know that you're there too, helping us and guiding us and hearing our little arrow prayers. So, Lord, take each one of us and use us as individuals, but even more so, may we get the synergy of being together, doing things for you. Lord, you know each one of us by heart. You can see into each one of our hearts. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly, what should be sustained, what should grow, what should be cast out. Lord do with us as you will that we may do what we do for you and for your glory Amen